Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we had been talking the last several weeks about edge of our seat living. And uh, we're going to start going into a new direction, not new direction, but an added direction, where we're going to start going into an area called the supernatural church. Hallelujah. You know, God designed his church to be supernatural. He didn't design for it to only be theological, doctrinal, that we get up and speak to you hermeneutically and hermeneutically. Two scriptures and a poem, a couple of songs. Now, he wants a supernatural church. And the reason is because he's a supernatural God. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. He is supernatural. Maybe you should read Revelation chapter 1 and get a picture of what Jesus looks like today. Hallelujah. He's not on that cross. He's not in the tomb. He is alive. Hallelujah. And you're in him and he's in you. That's supernatural, and he expects that we're going to live supernaturally. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Find your place in 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verses 17 to 21, which we talked about on Wednesday night. Wednesday nights we've been study in the last several weeks about how to live fully persuaded. Hallelujah. You know, it's one thing to know about being fully persuaded. It's another thing to be it. And, you know, the promises to Abraham did not come about until he became fully persuaded. Hallelujah. So that's what we were studying on Wednesday night, which we're going to start. Wednesday nights, we're going to start talking about the difference between real faith and fake faith. Well, that should be interesting. <laughs> but here in 2 Peter chapter 2, just as a quick reverse from Wednesday night, a quick review from Wednesday night, verse, <coughs> excuse me, 17 through 21. Nope. Must be 1 Peter. Must be 1 Peter chapter 2. My mistake. I'm trying not to. Nope. That's not it either. Okay, let me look here. That's a good question. What am I looking for? It's probably just the wrong chapter. It's probably, what did I say? Second Peter chapter 2? Uh, I bet it's Second Peter chapter 1. Yes, Second Peter chapter 1. 17 through 21. Thank you. It says, for when he, he, talking about Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father up on the Mount of Transfiguration is what this is about. Such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is what the Father said of Jesus. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more f- sure 
to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the Word of God, New Testament, Old Testament, is God speaking. In fact, it's God speaking to us. In fact, it's God speaking personally to me. If y'all weren't here, it's still to me. Isn't that right? If you were the only saved person on the face of the earth, it's still to you. Hallelujah. It is God speaking to you. That word is God speaking to you. You want to hear God? Read the word. It's God speaking to you. The word of God is not only history, and the word of God does not only point to future events, okay? But the word of God is a personal word spoken to me. By his stripes, you were healed. No, I was healed. By his stripes, I was healed. He sent his word and healed me. It is God's desire that I would prosper and be in good health as my soul prospers. It is God's desire that I attend to his word, that I do not let it depart from my sight, that I keep it in the midst of my heart. For that word will be life to me and health to all of my flesh. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and I do not forget his benefits to me. He's redeemed my life from the pit because he has forgiven all of my iniquity. He has healed all of my infirmities. He delivers my life. He sets me on high. He he, he crowns me with loving kindness and compassion, and he renews my youth like the eagle because he fills it with good things. Hallelujah. See, and you got to speak that word to yourself. That's me. That's God speaking to me. Well, I don't know if that's really. Well, you need to start to know. You need to know. Everything in that word is for you. It is a promise to you. There's only one thing that God was partial about. Well, two things, and that was he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He didn't give that to everybody. And then there were gifts that differ. So he didn't give the same thing to everybody. But for all the promises of God, everything belongs to you. It's called your inheritance. Read the will and find out what belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you know, if God wants to give it to me, he did 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, went into hell, and paid the price for your sin, rose up victorious, and left all your nonsense down there in hell. And he came and he gave you his life and he took yours. What an exchange. He took your life and gave you his and said, here is what my life is all about. Look in the mirror and find yourself. You're right in there. Praise God. Hallelujah. So if somebody wants to speak prophetically to you, Does it confirm the word in you? Because notice what it said. I think it was in verse 19, possibly 19. So we had the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention. Okay. So if somebody was to speak prophetically to you, does it confirm the word in you? Does it make, does the prophecy you hear make the word of God that you know in you to be even more sure? Is it a lamp 
of the treasured word. See, the word is the treasure, not what you hear from somebody else. That's not the treasure. The word is the treasure. And the word is what's supposed to be in you. And when you hear something, it is then supposed to be a lamp to the treasured word you already have. And it confirms what you have within you. So how is it that people could say things like, well, you know, God told me, but, you know, I'm just not sure. Or people that say things like, well, you know, God just never says anything to me. Well, why is that? No time in the word. No time meditating in the word. No time making that word your own. No time taking that word to yourself and making it your own. Making it the living word inside of you. You can hear it. You can sit in church. You can even read your Bible and never get it. You got to get it on the inside of you. Isn't that right? You got to meditate on the word of God. See, and, and I know so many people that have done this all their lives. Churches are filled with, uh, uh, churches are just, they operate on this all the time. And people that want a prophetic word and then let that word direct their life, and they have no confirmation on the inside of what was said. Why? No living word, no living faith. No living word, no living faith. They have a word, but it's just not alive. Amen. So therefore, without the word living on the inside, we always need to hear a word from somebody. You got enough here to keep you busy for all eternity. What you hear in spirit or what you hear coming to you should confirm the word already known within you. This is not Old Testament time. You're not living in the Old Testament We are kings, and we are priests before our God. We don't need to run to a priest, and we don't need to run to a king. And that's why we always say it doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's in the outhouse. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is who I'm living before. Brother Copeland just came out with a thing and said, no crash for me in 23. And that's true. Just because the world crashes, just because their economy crashes, it shouldn't crash us. Maybe God, you'll find out God still uses ravens. You may have to pray over that canal water and drink it. (laughs) Are you with me? Romans 12, 6. Romans 12, 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Okay, prophecy. Now, the Zodiac's Greek word study of the New Testament says the word prophecy is something that any believer may may proclaim as telling forth God's word. Telling forth God's word. Why don't we ever tell forth God's word in our life? Because we don't have it in us. Out of your heart comes the forces of life. The word's not in you. There's nothing that comes from you. You're always trying to get something to you, but it's supposed to come from you. Because how many times do we hear something from somebody and we're waiting for what somebody said to happen? But you've never taken anything. So therefore, nothing could come from you. Therefore, there's no force working in your life. Tells you that in Proverbs. 
So when he's talking here about proclaiming or telling forth God's word, that doesn't make you a prophet as in the fivefold ministry of prophet. And it doesn't mean that you're operating in the gift of a prophet or the gift of prophecy and the gift of, of the spirit. We're talking about foretelling, not foretelling. The whole Old Testament was about foretelling. But now it's about foretelling. I'm telling forth the word of God, calling those things that be not as though they were. Isn't that right? So that's why it says, if prophecy according to the proportion of your faith, it's according to the proportion. Well, you just heard Pastor Nid give out a word, right? Was that from God? No. It's out of her spirit. She's prophesying according to her faith. She has a release from God to say it, but that doesn't mean God's there saying, tell my people this. You know, this is something that's according to her faith. You got to pay attention to this because this is where things get really goofy. It's according to the proportion of your faith. So when somebody in the Old Testament was prophesying about the days ahead, did they have faith in that? No, they didn't even know what they were talking about. Are you with me? They didn't know what they were talking about. But they were saying it as God gave them to say it. So there was no faith. Now, that was the prophet, the Old Testament prophet, right? So he was foretelling, not forthtelling. And there's no faith in foretelling. You're just saying what you're hearing. Because your faith isn't going to make it come to pass. Forth speaking faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. Do you, in a spiritually alive position, need to be like Abram and see the sands of the seashore? Do you, in a spiritually alive position, filled with the life of God, need to be like Abraham and see the stars of the sky? Do you, like Abraham, like, do you in your spiritually alive condition, like Abram, need to say to God, well, how do I know this is going to happen? That's Abram. When he was dead in faith. He was not persuaded at that point. See, those are words that shows you're not persuaded. And why do we expect things to work in our life when we're not persuaded? Are you with me? Do we, in our spiritually alive condition, only need to see the word of God, the promise that God made to you? That's all you need. What do you need? A fleece. Do you need a sign? Do you need something out here to prove? No, you shouldn't. Because he lives in you. His promise is made to you. That is God's word and testament written to you. Are you with me? Have you been taught to lean to the word of God without wavering? Have you been taught to lean to what other people say to you? Declaring themselves as prophets, never knowing the truth of the word of God for yourself. 
Do you have to hear something from somebody and then go to your concordance and go, oh, there, I found something in there? Sorry, not faith. Not even close. And a lot of people don't know the difference between renewing their mind and walking by faith. Major difference. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan declared the word of God to him. Throw yourself down off the pinnacle because he'll give his angels charge over you, concerning you, bear you up, unless you strike your foot against the stone. See, David wrote that in the Psalms. You can, you can, you can jump. You say, well, no, that's ridiculous. But how many times do you buy something saying, I believe God's going to pay for this? Same thing. You just take, well, God supplies my needs. This is what I want. So, well, that's the same thing, dead faith. It's dead faith. There's no faith in that. It's dead word. You just want something, and you're going to find something to, to give you the reason on why you can do it. How many of you got into trouble like that? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. You got into trouble like that because it it's not right. It's not real faith. Is the word of God alive in your heart? See, what word is alive in your heart, that is the more sure word of prophecy. The Old Testament prophets spoke of Messiah coming, and that was the word of God. And when the Lord spoke on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, this is my beloved son, it took that prophetic word that was already known and confirmed it. The prophetic word is to confirm what you already know. So the word of God that's alive in our heart, we can speak it prophetically into our life as we speak forth into our life, forward speaking the word of God. You know, why don't you get in with the, the world system and just say, you know, pay it forward, pay it forward, pay it forward. How about speak it forward? You know, they got all kinds of goofy things out there. You know, what happens to just sow and reap? Oh, no, we don't say sow and reap. That's Bible. Let's just come up with a more of a, a, a catchy phrase, pay it forward. You know, as God forbid, we use the old expressions that work and it's full of power and might. Yes. And how many times do people pay things forward and they're believing for a return? Not usually. You know why? Because they don't know that part. Okay, let's move on. Speaking prophetically into our life, forward speaking the word of God, just like God promised. If God promised by his stripes you're healed, if that's the promise, then if I feel like trash, I can believe God for healing. Yes. Amen. First time I believed God for healing was back in 1981. I had some kind of symptoms come on me, virus, flu, whatever it might have been. I don't know. I felt like a dog, though. And I said, well, by his stripes, I'm healed. He sent his word to heal me. I'm going to believe God for healing. And um, after about a week and a half, I still felt like trash. And I said, oh, I need to do something here. So I took some cold medicine. Dear God, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and I said, if this is what medicine does to me, I'd rather die on the word than die on this crap. <laughs> so I did away with the medication. I said, God, it's either your word heals me or I'm just going to die. Well, I'm still here. And, uh, 
You know, I told you the story about when Pastor Ned was on the floor at the point of dying. And God raised her up. Amen. See, why can we forward speak God's word? Why can we do that? Number one reason, he already forward spoke it. He already did. 2,000 years ago, he said, by his stripes, you are healed. 2,000 years ago, he says, as your soul prospers, you can prosper in life and be in good health. He said that 2,000 years ago. So he's already forward spoke it. Why can't you? Huh? You can speak it ahead just like he speaks it ahead. You don't see anything in the Word of God where it says, oh, man, you're a wreck. <laughs> you don't find that. Because God don't call things as they are. He calls things as they ought to be. And so should you. Forward speaking the Word of God according to your faith. Living faith inside of you. Isn't that right? You cannot control another person's will with your faith. Okay. You know, you're believing God for healing, pretty much that's between you and God. You're believing God for 50 cents, that's going to be somebody else. Somebody else is going to be involved in you getting that 50 cents. You know, you're believing God for your mortgage to be paid off, that's going to involve somebody else getting money to you. You know, so there are things that other people are involved in, and you can't control their will. Now, God can work with those people, but whether they obey God or not, he can't force that issue. And you can't, by faith, believe, well, I know God put me in this business. I'm believing them to go out of business because they don't do things right. No, you can't do that. Because somebody does not obey God, it doesn't change your position of believing for the promise. Are you with me? Why? Because you have the more sure word in your heart. The more sure word alive in your heart. doesn't matter what's going on out here. I have the more sure word. Amen. Joseph had a more sure word. He got a dream from God. Isn't that right? And he never let go of the dream of God, even though his brothers tried to kill him. Even though his brothers sold him into slavery, even though he wound up in Potiphar's house, even though he wound up in prison because Potiphar's wife lied about him, even though all these things happened. He, he interpreted the dream for the, the cupbearer and the baker, but they forgot about him. When they got, well, one of them got reinstated, he forgot all about Joseph. And then two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and he goes, hey, there's a guy in prison that he interpreted my dream. Isn't that right? He never let go of the dream that God had given to him. The dream did not control his brother's will. You can't, you can't sell me into slavery. I have a dream. No, you can't try to kill me. I have a dream. No, you, you can't put me in prison. I have a dream. You can't control other people's wills. But what you do is you don't let go of the more sure. See, yeah. w whether you let go of it or not is going to determine how much you are sure of that word in you. And only when you get to the place of being fully persuaded, you won't let go of it. Amen. Now, the, whether they sold him, whether they tried to kill him, they sold him into slavery, wound up in prison, whatever happened to Joseph, wherever Joseph went, the dream followed him. Because he kept the dream. Yeah. He kept the dream. So the dream went with him wherever he went to. 
And the dream came to pass wherever he was because he would not let go of the dream. It was the more sure word that he would not let go of. And when you won't let go of the word, no matter what other people are doing, no matter what situations are, it will go with you wherever you go if you won't let go of it. Amen. And this is why the book of James says, stop being the double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. Don't expect that you'll receive anything from God. You're too unstable. Now, he's not talking about being an emotional wreck or anything like that. He's talking about your faith is flip-flopping. One day you say you believe, the next day you don't. One day you say, yeah, it's going to happen. Next day you say, I don't know. You're flip-flopping. You're not fully persuaded. The word is not alive in you. Therefore, it is not the more sure word. Yeah. Amen. Yep, 1 Corinthians 12. Hallelujah. See, this is the first step to being a supernatural church. Just just living and talking and believing like God wants you to. Like he said, well, I think we, we, we covered that scripture some weeks ago. I don't know when it was, but about holding fast to the confession of your faith. Didn't we handle that? Or are we handling that today? I don't know. But you hold fast to the confession of your faith, which means to say the same thing God says. You'd be really good to finally come up to the decision. I'm a moron. I don't know Jack. If you could get yourself to believe that, you'd really do well. And realize you don't have a clue about anything. So you might as well say what God says, who knows everything. You know, I can't see any of us standing in heaven thinking, we're the smart guy. I'm smart. I'm the smart one. I just can't see that happening. Where are we going? 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 18. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 18. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any the less a part of the body? And if the eye says, because I'm not an ear, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? The whole body was hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he's desired. We are all parts of the body of Christ. And he gives us that physical body as a reference point or an analogy of what he's talking about. That we are all parts of the body of Christ. There are different ministry gifts within the body of Christ. There's different positions of serving in the body of Christ. There's different uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit that operate in the body of Christ. Isn't that right? We all have different positions. There are different plans. There are different purposes in the body of Christ. Just like the hand has a different purpose than the eye. And the eye has a different uh, 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 plan for life uh, than the uh, foot. Okay, with my eye, I plan to see. With my foot, I have plans to walk. I don't walk with my eyes, I walk with my feet. I don't touch things with my knee, I touch with my hand. 
So everything has different plans. We plan different things for different parts of our body. Now, I don't mean we sit down and write out an agenda, but, you know, we do this without even thinking. My plan for my hand is to reach and hold to grab. Plan for my eye is to see, to look. Plan for my feet is to walk, to run. You know, so I have different plans for different parts of my body. And there's different plans because each one has different purposes. Amen. But it's all part of one body. Isn't that right? You know, if, if, if Bill was to pick up the bottle of water on the, on the, right in front of him, I would not say, Bill's hand just picked up that water. No, you wouldn't say that. What would you say? Bill picked up the water. Right? Because it's the body. You don't take the individual parts and talk about the individual parts. Unlike in the body of Christ where so many people want to be puffed up. Well, look at me. Well, look at me. Well, I do this. Well, I do that. Well, I have this calling. I have this position. Whoop-dee-doo. And usually the only one you're impressing is yourself. (laughs) God's not impressed. He placed you there. He don't only expect you to know your place, he expects you to operate in it. And when you are not operating in it, then he's surprised. It's like people have said to me and they've shared their testimony about something. They're like, you don't seem surprised. Well, why would I be? This is normal. If it didn't work, I'd be surprised. Are you with me? All one body. We all differ. And we all have the same general function of the ministry of, uh, of reconciliation and building up the body of Christ, salvation and discipleship. And we are to fill our part within the body. Isn't that right? Go to chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. See, this all comes down to the word, alive, the word of God alive in you, the promise of God in you. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. So all done in part. No one person has the whole picture. And I wish we would all understand this within the body of Christ. No one person has the whole picture. Not even any one person within a church or a local church has the whole picture. Just as in the body on one person, no one person has it all. There was only one person that had it all in the body, and that was Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? He had the Holy Spirit without measure. He operated in all of the ministry gifts. He operated in the gifts of the Spirit on a regular basis. Amen? Well, when it comes to the body of Christ today, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So Jesus operated in an all, but now we operate in part. Okay? One can foretell into their life by prophetically speaking the word of God according to and limited to their faith. Not their want, 
There's a lot of people that want to spout off the word because of what they want, but it's not faith. Are you with me? It has to be living faith on the inside of us. How many of you got saved because you thought, you know, yeah, maybe I ought to do that? Anybody? No. No. Why? Because just thinking that shows it ain't alive in you. But the day came when you said, I need Jesus in my life as Lord of my life. And you received Jesus. That's when it was alive on the inside of you. So why do we go back to works after we get saved? How come we're still not living in that place anymore of living faith? The minute you accept Jesus as Lord of your life, boom, instantaneously saved. Instantaneous results. Now, your body didn't change. Your mind didn't change. Your salvation is not complete, but you stepped in the moment you believed. So why is it then we move out from that position after getting saved and we move over into works? Legalistic knowledge of the word instead of living faith. One can operate in the gifts of prophecy as the Lord gives them to speak as their faith allows, just like what you heard with Pastor Nid this morning. What her faith, she did not speak beyond what she believed. Are you with me? All right. So the Lord gives her to speak that out, but it's according to her faith. It's not the ministry gift or the, the fivefold ministry gift of the prophet. The ministry of a prophet can speak, but only as the Holy Spirit reveals to them what it is they ought to speak. So each one has a part, but nobody has the whole thing. Okay, so let's, let's look at these for a, couple, for a minute. Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Micah, chapter, we're going to look at three Old Testament verses Starting in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah has uh, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are long ago, uh, from long ago, from the days of eternity. So he's talking about the one that always was from all eternity past that he is going to come, and he's going to come from where? Bethlehem. All right? Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. Hosea 11, 1. Hosea, can you see where it's at? <laughs> Hosea, chapter 11, and verse 1. It says, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Okay, one more verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. So Micah says Bethlehem. Hosea says Egypt. And now in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll read 6 and 7. It says, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious. 
by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, the Gal uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, and those who live in dark time, in a dark land, the light will shine on them. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Just as a quick note, you know what zeal means? It doesn't mean excitement. It means you don't quit. That's what zeal means. God that don't quit. Amen. So. So go back to uh, verse 1 in Isaiah. So he's talking here in, in, in Isaiah to Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Okay? So he says in Micah, he says one will come from Bethlehem. And then he says in Hosea, one will come from Egypt. Then he says in Isaiah, you will see the great light in Zebulun and Naphtali. So who's right? Well, it seems to contradict, doesn't it? Well, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And then after the wise men came to see him, where did the Lord send them? And then when Herod died, the Lord called them out from Egypt and came to live in Nazareth. And then in Nazareth, he grew up in Nazareth and, and as an older, and when he got older, he lived in Capernaum, all right? So Micah's right, born in Bethlehem. Hosea's right, he called him back out from Egypt. And then Isaiah was also right because Nazareth and Capernaum are in the regions of, Ze of, of Zebulun and Naphtali. They're all right. But how many people get confused because they think the word contradicts? Well, why do they think the word contradicts itself? Of course, they try to logically reason the word of God. They try to logically figure out what the word of God is saying, and all they do is wind up in confusion. Isn't that right? Amen. No one, no one had that more sure word alive in them. Nobody. Nobody even knew it. Right? So it couldn't be confirmed. When you would hear things like that, that couldn't be confirmed in you. Nobody had that in them. It was foretelling, right? Okay, so what do you do if you can't confirm what you've just heard? You wait and you watch and you, so to speak, put it up on the shelf. You don't try to live in it. It's not confirmed in you. You can't live in that. Amen. You can't say about that, run to the word of God, and let's see the reality of that. You can't do that at that particular time. This is part of God, and we've talked about this, how God set the ages. Remember, we understand by faith how he formed the ages with the word of God. See, this is part of forming the ages with his word. Therefore, prophecies can seem to contradict, but yet they all came to pass. They all had a part in the whole thing. 
line upon line, a little here and a little there. Okay, now pay attention to this. You would have to put the pieces together. You would have to put the pieces together. That is what the Bible calls understanding. Fourth person in the parable of the sower. And there was one in Matthew, I think it was in chapter 13, and there was one in whom seed was sown in the good soil who understood. And that word understand is defined as putting the pieces together. Why is it that so many people have trouble with faith? They come to church, they listen to a word, and then they listen to something, and then, oh, maybe that's a little different. Oh, you know, and, and then they hear this one or they hear that one. And they're so confused. They've never put anything together. And without putting it together, you don't get faith. You can hear the word and go, yeah, I want that. Oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, I'm I, I need that, you know. But it's not faith until you put it together. If you don't understand it. Now, listen, God spoke the word in a mystery. Why did he do that? To hide it from the enemy. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, but to us, he revealed it by the spirit. You trying to figure it out in your head, you will be lost as a goose in the fog. And you'll say, I want that. I want that. Oh, yeah, I, I believe God will do that. You're lost as a goose in the fog because it's not alive in you. It's about putting the pieces together. And that doesn't happen overnight. In fact, sitting in the Word, you've got to sit in the Word for a while to where all of a sudden, as you're meditating on the Word or studying the Word, all of a sudden you put this Word together with that Word. And then those two words get put together with this Word. And a whole uh, 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 picture starts to come together. That's understanding. Are you with me? It has to be reve it's revealed by the Spirit, therefore it has to be received in the Spirit, and therefore it is only understood in the Spirit. By faith we understand. Really? Tell me how that happens. We don't know how it happens. But by faith, I understand. Tell me the process of getting born again. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I received Jesus and I got saved. Yeah, well, tell me what happened that caused you to become a new creature in Christ. Tell me about the transferring. Tell me about the translation. Tell me about the, uh, uh, how you were translated out of darkness and into light. Tell me how that happened. Because as far as you're concerned, I didn't see nothing happen. So tell me how it happened. You can't explain it, but you know by faith. See, when you know by faith, it can't get taken away from you. When you know it by faith, it can't get ripped away from you. When you know it by faith, it can't get ripped out of you. I know this, I know this, I know this, and there's not a circumstance or a devil from hell that can convince me otherwise. But it don't look like it. I don't give a rip what it looks like. It didn't look like Joseph's dream was working. He's on his way to Egypt in, in, in chains. It didn't look like his dream was working when he gets thrown into prison. He doesn't look like his dream is working when it's 20 years after the dream. But it didn't get ripped out of him. Because it was a more sure word. Fully persuaded. Amen. Hallelujah. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. 
verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and 10. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When the perfect comes. Well, what's the perfect he's talking about? It's the Greek word teleos. And it means the completion or to be finished. So when the perfect comes or when the completion comes. Now, he's not talking about the perfection of heaven. When the perfection of heaven comes. What is he talking about? He's talking about prophecy. We know in part, we prophesy in part or we prophesy in a portion. Because we don't have the whole picture. We prophesy in a portion. Let me ask you this question. Prophecies about the coming Messiah that we just read in, in, in Isaiah, is that still being prophesied today? No. Why? Because he's already come. So we're not prophesying that he's coming. We're telling people he's already come. Isn't that right? So that prophecy about Jesus being born has been completed. It's done. It's finished. Done away with now. Glory to God. Because he's no longer coming. Now, we're not talking about the second coming. But he's already come to pay the price for our sins. So, therefore, the prophecy is done away with. Because the perfect, the completion of it came. Are you with me? So, God formed the ages by the seeds of his word being spoken out. And he spoke it partially here and partially there and in this field over here and in that field over there. And he would be planting seeds. But when the seed came to fruition and bore, the seed's no longer needed. Why? The cycle's complete. See, the cycle starts with the sowing of the seed, the prophetic utterance, and the cycle is finished when it's complete. We see it now. Here it is. Now that it's complete, the partial, the seed part, is done away with. Don't need it anymore. Are you with me? Amen. We see dimly, okay? The Bible says we see dimly or we see in part. We don't see the whole thing. But when the body of Christ reaches the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we will see more clearly. Until then, you do your part. No one has it, and no one is the whole part. You know, you hear people say things like, and I, I knew this one person years ago, and he would say, oh, I'll tell you what, if you're not out uh, 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 winning people to Jesus, you're just not doing nothing. Really? I feel like I'm pretty busy doing stuff. You know. Well, why do they think that? Because that's what they're doing. But if the whole body was the eye... Where would the hearing be? Everybody don't do the same thing. And it just instead of just glorifying Jesus for the grace on yeah. you to win yeah. people to Jesus, I mean, that's a grace. Yeah. Amen. And I remember saying to him, and he would tell me about how people got healed in the street and people got delivered. And I would say to him, how come they're not in church? Why did you leave him out on the street? Oh, he says, was I supposed to get him in church? Well, there's a novel idea. It's called discipleship. Salvation's one part, disciples the other part. 
Discipleship. You get discipled by sitting under the word. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. You know, sometimes when it comes to prophetic utterances, we might not understand them. They don't fit the framework of our mind. Some people hear things and they work very hard to try to reason it, try to figure it, and they get totally lost trying to mentally figure out a spiritual message. A prophetic word is a spiritual message, but you're in your head trying to figure out spiritual things. No, you'll come up with justifications and reasons and all kinds of things, but you'll be out in left field. It's called the seed was sown on the side of the road. You're not on the path because it's revealed in the spirit, not in your thinking. Prophecies are born of the Holy Spirit. They are received by the human spirit and they are understood spiritually. And this is why the church must become the supernatural church to operate by the spirit. This is not about dead word on a page. You know, I used to drive people crazy. I would, in, in service, I would pick up the Bible I'd drop it on the floor, and then I'd jump on it. And people would be like, I can't believe you're picking up, you're stepping on the Bible. Trees, ink, that's all it is. It is nothing until it gets in here. This is dead until you get it. Thank you. I'm not... I didn't want to rip up the pages. I've ripped up a lot of Bibles doing that. But you know what? We live in America. There's another Bible. And they all seem to say the same thing. Okay. The Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees that taught the Torah, they missed Messiah thinking he's going to come on the clouds. Misunderstanding prophecies that seem to be contradictory they leaned to a letter of the law of regulations and living a life of works. Of course, Messiah, and they missed Messiah because didn't, he didn't come in a way they thought he was going to come. Right? Yeah. Revelation chapter 12. Okay, I see the landing lights are coming on ahead. Fasten your seatbelt for fair for landing. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. A great sign appeared in heaven. This is a recap of what's already happened. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, that's Israel, and the moon under her feet, and her on her head a crown of 12 stars, 12 tribes of Israel. And she was with child, Jesus, Messiah, and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great, drag, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems or crowns. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, because he took out a third of the angels with his fall and rebellion against God, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, Israel, who was about to give birth. This is when Herod wanted to kill all the babies, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. That will be when he comes again. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne, which was the resurrection and the ascension. 
Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war and the, with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels were waging war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. See, this is why you understand that when Adam sinned, it even touched heaven. That Satan had access to the throne of God. And you'll see things in the Old Testament where it says the sons of God, which was the angels, the sons of God appeared before God and Satan came with them. Satan had access to the throne of God because of the sin of Adam. But when Jesus came back and Jesus defeated Satan, then there was war that went on in heaven and they threw them out once and for all. Glory to God. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now, now he's been thrown out. Now everything is done. Jesus has completed the work. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. Glory to God. Jesus is the one that carries the authority. We are in Christ. He is in us. And we share in that authority. The salvation, the power, and the kingdom belongs to God. And Jesus has the authority to run it all. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death because they held on to the more sure word. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Defeated Satan once and for all. So now that he has been, uh, where are we at? Verse uh, 11, yeah. They overcame the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, don't love their life even to the death. So we are to establish the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. The church is to establish the victory of Jesus Christ on the earth. Son, come here and sit here until I make the enemies a footstool unto you. Well, how's that going to happen? The church on the earth. The church is not sitting around and going, oh, Jesus, come back. Oh, Jesus, come back. The church is not to be the wimpy, whining little people. Oh, I need Jesus to come back. I need to get out of here. No, you need to rise up in the victory. Rise up as the overcomer and rise up in the authority that Jesus has given to you. And be the supernatural church that we've been made to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. 19, 11 through 16. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. 
And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. Boy, that don't sound like the soothing, loving Jesus of our emotions. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, that's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is still being foretold. Isn't that right? Amen. And even though it's foretold at this particular point, we can go back and we can see. And that word can be a more sure word inside of us. Amen. uh, The book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. Jude 1, 14 in the Amplified. This is really good. It was of these people, moreover, that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied when he said, Behold, the Lord comes with his myriads of holy ones, ten thousands of his saints. Who said that? Enoch. How long ago was Enoch? He was the seventh generation from Adam. And he's prophesying about Messiah. See, the prophecies of Messiah had more than the religious leaders ever thought. They never realized these prophecies about Messiah. And at this point where we are in the scheme of time, we still don't understand it all. We don't understand all about Jesus coming again. We don't understand all about the rapture. We don't understand all about the new heavens, the new earth, the, 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 the millennial reign. We don't understand. We have trouble understanding just what we're living in. We don't even understand what we live in. This is why we get tossed by every wind. This is why we get tossed to the right. We get tossed to the left because we don't understand everything. But you won't understand until you start to take in the more sure word of God. Amen. Revelation 16, verse 15. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. I'm coming like a thief, he says. So let's learn something from history. And don't be trained in the mind of how things are going to look like. Don't be trained in your mind as far as what the rapture is going to look like. You can imagine, you can think about it, but don't be trained in your mind to where this is it. Don't be trained in your mind to where you uh, 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 have hold of what you think you have hold of, the second advent of Christ. How, how's the rapture going to look like? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you, know, you know, what's it going to look like? Are you going to go in the air? The Bible says you're going to go in the air. But will people see you go in the air or will you just kind of evaporate on the earth and then spiritually you just go to the air? I mean, do you know? No. Are you going to go dressed or undressed? Do you know? I'm hoping that my clothes will change on the way up. (laughs) You know. What's the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit going to look like? What's the great harvest going to look like? I can tell you one thing the great harvest will look like. Work. 
work. It will be work. But don't train yourself in your mind of what it's going to look like. And although we say it's work, it probably won't be toil. You'll be involved, you'll be busy, but it may not be toil. So we don't want to be trained in our mind to figure these things out. So how do we do that? Well, you got to start right where you're at and start recognizing his leadership in your life today. Start recognizing the leadership of the word of God and the Holy Spirit in your life today. Start being in the word of God today. Start allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into the reality and the application of the truth into your life today. It's not enough to say, I know what the word says. If you're not applying it into your life, you don't know it. You have a mental memorization or a mental uh, justification and a reasoning of that word. But unless it's working in your life, you don't know it. So keep going until you do know it. Keep meditating until you do know it. Amen. You know, in the 1970s, many people refused to believe that the Holy Spirit could be poured out on Catholics. They did. They were like, no, there's no way that that could happen. Now, I wasn't saved back then, so uh, that's what I heard. And I wasn't Catholic back then, although I'm sure it was still in my genes. But I did buy a new pair. Back in the 70s, a lot of people rejected the Jesus movement. They said, oh, that can't be. There's just a bunch of hippies out there. I thought they all dropped a little bit too much acid, and they were on some kind of a religious trip or something. Many evangelicals refused to accept a Holy Spirit leading called the Word of Faith. Some people thought Oral Roberts was of the devil. Just doing healings because the devil, you know, he comes as an angel of light. Amazing. People thought the healing movement was a con. That the joy, joy breaking out in services was just a show. But here's what you find out. God can move however he wants. He can move on whoever he wants. And he can move whenever he wants. Isn't that right? All he needs is somebody to say yes. He needed somebody in that, for that Jesus movement to say yes. He needed somebody that was in, the, in Catholicism to say yes. He needed somebody to say yes for healing. Yes to do all the tent meetings. Yes to start teaching the word of faith. Yes, he needed somebody to say yes to yield to the, to the uh, spirit of joy. He needed somebody that would say yes. That's all he needs. Not for us to figure it out. Just for us to say yes. Why is it you don't need to figure it out? Because he don't need your ability. Remember what we said about how smart we are? (laughs) We're really not? Well, you need to think the same thing about your ability. Your ability is nothing. God's ability is everything. It's your position in faith that counts. And it's being available to him is what matters. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. All right, last verse. John 6. 67 and 68. John chapter 6, 67 and 68. So Jesus said to the 12, remember this was after he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. (laughs) And everybody left him. And he says to the 12, 
you don't want to go anywhere else, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, why did Jesus' disciples follow him? See, some people followed Jesus because he fed them. Some people followed Jesus because he did signs and wonders. Some people followed Jesus because he gave them money. But the disciples followed Jesus because in their heart they knew this is the Son of God. Their hearts leaped. You have the words of eternal life. When he would speak those words, their hearts. Their spirit would leap on the inside. Just like when Mary went to Elizabeth and John the Baptist leaped inside of Elizabeth's womb when he heard the words of Mary speak. See, there should be something that takes place on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Their spirits were thrilled as they watched the miracle maker and the wonder worker. Hallelujah. Well, this is the same thing that should happen with us. We don't look at us and say, we have the final revelation. Bless God, we're coming to the ending, and we have the final revelation. No, don't say, don't go there, you know. Or look at the upcoming generation and say, no way God can use them. (laughs) You know, that used to be said about you. (laughs) Yeah? See, that's why you need to come tonight, 6 o'clock. You need to come tonight because all of that's going on is not just about you. You need to know this because this has to be part of your understanding. You need to know the Holy Spirit in your heart today. You need to follow the Holy Spirit in your life today. You need to be directed by his word today. In your heart, you will know and your spirit will rejoice over it. It may not be what your mind expected, but the witness in our heart that we are to live by today will be the same witness we live by when we see the move of God. But if you don't know the move and the witness of the Spirit in your heart today, you won't recognize him when he comes. They didn't recognize Jesus when he came. Jesus heals somebody in the synagogue and all the religious people want to do is kill him. So what side will we be on? Will we be the staunch religious person who's like, oh, that can't be God. That just doesn't fit what I think. Or will we be the one that witnesses, that has our spirit leaping on the inside? God's doing something here. See, who are we going to be? Where are we going to be? What side are we going to be on? The end times are coming. They are coming. So if you've not done so before, let today be your beginning and start declaring the end. Start from today. Start today and start declaring the end based on the word of God alive in your heart. Well, I just don't know what to declare. That's because you don't have any word alive in your heart. You might know some word, but it's not alive in your heart. Pastor Nid shared that 930 service. She said somewhat. She talked about how she used to gamble. And uh, she would go to the gambling games in faith. (laughs) Faith. (laughs) 
And she would believe according to Mark 11:23, whatsoever things you declare and say, believe it and you'll have what you say. And she would get with her ga gambling buddy and go, she'd go, let's pray together. We're going to win. We're going to win tonight. They'd pray. We're in agreement. We're going to win. And she tells you she lost all of her jewelry. She almost lost the house. You know, I'm surprised that I wasn't up on the chopping block. <laughs> it could have been, you know, if, if everything else was gone. <laughs> you know, but what is she doing? She's saying, this is what the Bible says, so this is what we're going to believe. No, nothing in here. And if it was alive in here, you ain't going to be gambling. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be using the word in gambling, you know. So um, uh, you understand what I'm saying. So although she knew what the word said, it wasn't living faith. It wasn't faith directed by the Holy Spirit in her. It was just something she wanted. And she was going to use the word to get it. Well, it didn't work. Didn't work. Why? Fake faith. Fake faith. <laughs> it's not real faith. That's why we're going down that road Wednesday night. Real faith versus fake faith. Hallelujah. So let this year be, or right now, be your start. And if you don't have word in your heart, get word in your heart. Start finding something in the Bible that applies to you and start meditating on it. Think about it. Ponder it. Muse over it. Let it just roll over on the inside of you. And then that seed in the soil, and the soil will produce of itself. And out of your spirit will come understanding and impartation and revelation. And then will come application into your life. But you can start today getting those things into your heart so you can start declaring the end from the very beginning. You don't need to logically understand it. There's so many things in the word that I've seen that I'm like, yeah, I need to go in this. But I didn't understand it. I had no understanding about it. And I'd meditate on it and meditate on it and think about it and think about it. Just think about it. Not trying to figure it out. Just saying what the word says over and over. And, and I'd say, I don't see how that's going to work. I don't see how that's going to work. And I'd go back to the word. And I'd start saying what the word says. And, oh, all of a sudden, the lights come on. The lamp in the dark place of the treasured word came alive on the inside. And like, oh, I now can see that because now by faith I understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So just align yourself with the word of truth, not trying to logically understand everything. Renew your mind to that truth and true understanding will then be the result. The Holy Spirit will guide you into that reality. It'll be applied into your life, and it will be glorious. They will have glorious results in your life. This is filling your part. This is filling your part. You know, some people think, well, filling my part is, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And I love what Pastor Tim talked about a couple of weeks ago. The renewing of your mind is your reasonable service. If you want to serve God, start renewing your mind because you cannot serve God in that carnality. You've got to renew your mind to the word of God, and it is your reasonable service before the Lord. And other translations say it is your spiritual service of worship. So that will be your life of worship before God because your mind is getting renewed and you're starting to think like him, starting to talk like him, starting to act like him, and starting to live like him. 
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Father. We thank you for all that you are. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, Father, that you're wonderful. You're glorious. You are majestic. You are our all in all and our everything. Thank you, Father. You're the one we need. You're the one we lean to. You're the one we hope in. You're the one that we have set our life and faith on because our life and our faith has come from you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we come before you now with our giving, I thank you, Father, that every seed that is sown has a good result, that it produces after its own kind. You said as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So as I sow my seed, I just look to you for harvest. And I thank you that the seed will produce the harvest. I continue to speak over my seed. I continue to pray over my seed. I continue to water my seed with my confession and my prayer. And Father, when it grows and produces a harvest, the seed will be done because the completion will have come. Thank you for it. Bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is good. God is good. Thanks for joining us on live stream today or on podcast, wherever you may be. It is always such a joy to be able to connect with you and that we can join together around the Word of God and fellowship in like precious faith. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And if there's anything at all, as I always say, anything at all that we can pray with you about, stand with you about, please let us know, because we always consider it an honor to stand before the throne of God and declare your promises to be met. Amen. 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 Glory.